The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. Here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. I'm Benjamin Shapiro, the executive producer of the MarTech Podcast, and today we've got a special episode for you, which is going to be guest hosted by Doug Bell, who's the CMO of Chief Outsiders. Doug is a veteran CMO with a background in helping growth stage B2B SaaS companies reach their true potential, and I'm thrilled to invite him and some of his friends to take the microphone and share their knowledge with you, our loyal MarTech Podcast listeners. Okay, here's a special episode of the MarTech Podcast, guest hosted by Doug Bell, the CMO of Chief Outsiders. Hello, marketers. My name is Doug Bell from Chief Outsiders. And today, we'll be discussing CTV ad targeting and navigating today's marketing measurement challenges. Joining me today is Chris Kelly, who is the CEO at Upwave. Upwave is a fast-growing analytics company providing ML-driven brand advertising, measurement technology, and intelligence via SaaS platform to the world's leading brands agencies, and media partners. And today, Chris and I are going to be talking about effective CTV ad targeting and measurement. Okay, here's my conversation with Chris Kelly, the CEO at Upwave. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Doug. Excited to be on. Well, it's good to have a fellow central Pennsylvania folks. <laughs> we started this 20 minutes late. We're swapping stories about playing on the golf course and on the creek. And we are the best people in the world because we grew up in the same place. Right, Chris? That's amazing. We found out we grew up probably a mile or two from each other and never met until this podcast. So what are the odds of that? Very slim. Uh, <laughs> you know, we must have been in different front groups. But either way, Chris, so happy to have you on the show today, in particular interested in hearing a lot more about what Upwave does. But what I want to be able to do is to sort of set the table for everybody listening in today. I just threw an acronym out there that may not be super familiar to people. So what is CTV? And then what is CTV advertising? Start us off, Chris. Sure. So there certainly is an acronym soup of advertising terminology that is easy to get confused by. And I have learned that people outside the industry don't seem to care. They just talk about it as television. But CTV inside the industry, the inside baseball crew refers to this as connected television. And that means that it is a big television device on your living room or family room while connected to the internet. So you can stream content to that device. And there's actually still debate. I think the debate's close to ending, but there is still debate on the actual semantic difference between CTV and OTT, another acronym your listeners are probably familiar with. In general, I've seen CTV referred to, to the actual device. So um, watching on a big screen TV that's connected to the internet. 
whereas OTT is the actual service, the content coming through. So if you watch a great show on Hulu on your iPhone, that's OTT, but not CTV. If you watch that same great show on Hulu on your Vizio TV in your family room, then that's CTV. So when we talk about CTV, we talk about marketers having the ability, when we talk about CTV advertising, we talk about marketers having the ability to reach consumers on a big full screen immersive experience, but through a digital device. So there's this concept of it being the best of both worlds, where it is a full screen immersive experience of linear, but the granular targeting and measurement you get from digital or Better said than I could, someone at Roku, so I have to cite Roku in saying this, someone at Roku defined it as the CTV is the brains of digital and the beauty of linear, which I think is a more poetic way to describe it. So is it also fair to say it is some of the punch and power of broadcast television with all of the goodness of digital targeting that we've become so dependent on as marketers over the last 10 years? That's right. It really is. And it's interesting to think of what that means for the goals of the campaigns you run on that channel. So a lot of digital marketers grew up in a direct response centric or performance marketing centric world where their campaigns had the goals of driving some immediate action, right? They wanted the user to click, to take an immediate conversion. They wanted to, or track a conversion after a few exposures, that really direct response, lower funnel performance marketing mindset. And there's a variety of reasons that that mindset makes sense on mobile ads and web ads. Think of a lean back experience. You're watching a show on, as I mentioned, on Hulu, on ad-supported Netflix, on ad-supported Peacock, on your YouTube TV subscription in your family room. That's a different consumer experience than holding a phone in your hand. So marketers have learned to think about the channel differently. They think about it like broadcasts. And I think it's also important to notice what I mentioned up front of just like consumers don't really care about the acronyms we use in this industry. They don't really care about our definitions of channels. If a consumer is on their couch watching a great NBC show, it doesn't actually matter to them whether that is over the air or through a Comcast cable box or through a YouTube TV app on a smart TV or through Peacock. It's the same show on the same screen. Why, why would these definitions matter to the consumer? And I think they don't matter to consumers. So for marketers, that's why it is smart to think of your advertising strategy. If the things you would talk to a consumer about on a broadcast experience on that same screen as them watching through Peacock. If it's the same experience to the consumer, why would your marketing goals be fundamentally different? So there's a lot of interesting conversations happening now of marketers who are new to CTV and say, look, I can target this. This feels like digital, but I should probably speak to consumers in the same way I do on broadcast because it's the same device they're watching on. It's the same show. It's the same content. So there's a lot of conversations now between direct response focused marketers and brand focused marketers on how to get the most bang for the buck from their CTV investments. Chris, I, I want to put people on my couch for a recent Sunday. And Chris, I'm going to lean into some pain you and I both felt, unless you're not a central Pennsylvania. <laughs> it's been a painful weekend for us people from that region for a team that we love. But I'm on the couch. I'm watching this game. I'm frustrated. And it's on YouTube TV. And at one point, I see an ad. Looks like any other ad, frankly. But I realized pretty quickly that ad is for what I would call a local producer of marketing swag. And I'm sitting there and going, and again, it looked like any other commercial was well produced. And I'm like, my brain didn't compute initially. So this is where I want to sort of angle in on CTV. But a bunch of things occurred to me really quickly. The first was, I'm like, wait, hold on a second. This is micro-targeting. I am a fractional CMO. I have clients who need this stuff. There's clearly a history of me recently looking at this site and I'm getting advertising for this. So with me on the couch, Chris, is this a good example of the power of CTV and that micro-targeting? that we've become so dependent on as performance and response marketers over time. 
Great observation. I also watched our poor Eagles performance on YouTube TV subscription, so I had the same experience. And there's a couple of things happening there to maybe unpack two observations you had, the micro-targeting from the local ads. So an interesting corner of streaming is this virtual MVPD market, which is the virtual version of cable companies and satellite companies that would bring you a package of channels. So you think that's what you may call a cable company or satellite company, we call it an MVPD, another fun acronym for the acronym soup for your listeners. And that is the industry's term for what you would think of as a Comcast cable subscription or a DirecTV satellite subscription or a YouTube TV, quote unquote, cable subscription. And it's called the V is for virtual because it's not really a cable company or satellite company. It's, of course, delivering it over the internet. But they are called a virtual MVPD. That's interesting because first, just from the statistics of all this, usually YouTube TV ad impressions, I believe, are counted in the CTV math. When you see these industry estimates of how big is CTV, usually YouTube TV is counted as CTV, which is interesting because to a consumer, it may feel like a cable subscription. Your choice is between buying Comcast and you have your channels delivered through a box or buying YouTube and you have those exact same channels delivered through an app. And with the rise of Azumo, pushed by Charter and Comcast, those lines are going to blur even more, where you get a specific device, but it has an app on it where you watch your channel through. So what's happening in this virtual MVPD market is blurring the lines even more, and it's making harder to talk about what's actually kind of cable versus a stream content. But a couple of things are happening when you see that specific ad on your YouTube TV subscription. So yes, there are digitally targeted ads. So YouTube, of course, is part of the world's largest advertising company at Google. So they have plenty of capabilities to do fine-grained targeting. Those outside the walls of Google don't know exactly what targeting capabilities they are deploying on YouTube TV, but certainly they have sophisticated targeting capabilities that they are using. You may see an ad that is based on some online activity you did. So you may could, in theory, visit a website and then that data point is collected and used to target a ad you see on your family room TV through the micro-targeting on YouTube TV if it's an ad that is sold by Google because they get some of that inventory. Of course, there's still local ads for various arcane reasons that probably will put your listeners to sleep. There are local TV providers, channels like NBC and ABC and CBS, etc., the traditional broadcasters. I don't know the exact number, but a couple minutes per hour are given to the local broadcast station and they're allowed to sell. So that's why when you see a local Bob's Auto Shop ad, that actually might have been sold by a local NBC sales team, not the national sales team, naturally. So there's a couple of things happening there where when you're watching YouTube TV, you actually get some of these kind of vestigial remnants of the old system flowing through where there's you still see an ad sold by a local NBC affiliate. That's your local Bob's Auto Shop ad. But then you might see an ad for an app that you were checking out recently from your digital fingerprint. So that's interesting. It's a good anecdote you brought up because it actually shows the blend of these few different dynamics of how TV advertising works. And of course, between that, you saw an ad for a fast food chain, which was sold by a national sales team at NBC or ESPN, which is what you're used to seeing on TV. So there is this interesting blend of a few different types of ad sales teams with different target capabilities and frankly, different mindsets, right? Someone who's a digital ad sales person who's pitching an ad unit that can be targeted by website visit behavior versus someone who's saying, hey, buy the old-fashioned way, this is the reach we're going to get, and this is the ratings points we're going to get, and buy up front, and we'll run your ad on NFL football. So the general prediction is that the old way, the quote-unquote old way of buying through just looking for reach with zero targeting will eventually go away. 
But I don't mean to understate the power of that. There's plenty of brands that just want reach and television is still a fantastic way to get that reach. And if you're advertising a fast food chain that is in every zip code, you don't have to get too smart with your digital targeting, right? If you're running a campaign that has a goal of increasing favorability, increasing purchase intent, you don't need to overthink your targeting in all circumstances. Whereas a brand that's a new app that you're trying to drive awareness so people consider downloading it, then yes, you're going to have to get a little more fine-tuning your targeting. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then, and instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. I think we've done a really good job sort of setting the table for an understanding of how CTV can be deployed by marketers. But I just want to pull something out that you talked about, Chris, that I think was really impactful for me from an anecdotal standpoint. And it took me a little bit of reflection to understand how impactful this was. But you're exactly right. Fast food, you use the example of fast food. But there was a national brand advertisement right up against this local brand that's selling swag. So that local brand, that brand impression, top of the funnel, reminding me, hey, I need swag for a conference stood alongside and therefore, in my opinion, had the same weight as whatever it was, the fast food or the beer advertisement, the things you typically see. So it adds a little bit more brand punch, if you will. And let me tell you my impression, Chris, and I I want you to disabuse me of this notion if I've got it wrong, but my impression is that CTV has been adopted pretty aggressively by B2C marketers, but there's a bit of a lag when it comes to B2B marketing adoption. Is, is that true? And if it is true, how are B2C marketers deploying it versus when occasionally you see the B2B marketer, how are they deploying it? I won't disabuse you of the notion because I think your hunch is correct. I actually want to just put an exclamation point on your brand punch phrase, which I like. And yeah, there is an amazing credibility boost you get from CTV. I'm sure there's some more formal word or um, psychologists will come up with a better concept of why we attribute more value to something that we see in certain contexts. But seeing something on TV does lend, assuming the creative is well-made, obviously it's more expensive to make the polished creative that national fast food chains invest in than the lower cost creative that Bob's Auto Shop can invest in. But just being on TV does lend an air of credibility. And there's been plenty of research done over the decades to prove that. So the fact that it's more accessible to more businesses now is really fantastic. 
And it's interesting, I, it's a similar effect I used to see with running a business as you got from running retargeted ads on websites. It was funny where when we started Upwave, we would run retargeted banner ads, right? As a lot of small companies did. So if you visited our website, we use companies that would then show us the Upwave banner ad on wherever you went next. So of course, you start getting screenshots from friends and family saying, oh my gosh, you're on the New York Times. You've made it. <laughs> like They would go to the New York Times and the main uh, 728 by 90, they'd see above the fold, would say Upwave and say, I can't believe you're advertising on the New York Times. This is incredible. Or some other kind of blue chip publication. And that was funny to say, well, actually not. That was kind of something they sold through the exchanges for the rent inventory that happened to sneak on to above the fold homepage view. So we didn't actually pay that much, but we're glad that we got the credibility bump. So that I always chuckled at that by running ads through retargeted platforms, you could maybe a fake it to make it strategy for small businesses. So TV has a similar effect where just as part of the value, part of the brand building value that we see. And as a measurement company, we get hired to deploy our software on these campaigns to measure whether there is a brand punch on campaigns. And a big part of that does come down to CTV is the full screen immersive storytelling vehicle that we talked about earlier. So that that is part of the value of just being on that big screen lens and mirror credibility, which I believe is part of the reason the channel does pay off. And to segue to your specific question on the difference in usage of CTV by B2C versus B2B. So I don't have the exact stats and I'm not sure if anyone has precise stats, but certainly as you'd expect, the mass amount of dollars coming on to CTV and, and where most linear dollars always were coming from is from consumer brands. And I think that's for a reason, right? If you think of what Linear was great at as a national platform to put your brand in every household, that was just something that if you sold to consumers, you need to do. If you sold to businesses where you may have a thousand customers in the world for your enterprise software product, that didn't make sense to do, right? If you were only trying to get in front of a thousand to a few thousand, 10,000 buyers of your software product, something, the position that Upwave's in as we're a B2B marketer when we sell to brands, agencies, and publishers. So we are a B2B company ourselves, of course. And you just didn't need to get in front of 100 plus million households. But it's interesting that the capabilities that, that CTV brings, it does let B2B marketers be more thoughtful to do the micro-targeting, as you referred to it as, on CTV. And I think, does this mean that they should randomly match their investment in CTV based on their share of the advertising pie? So say, I don't know the exact numbers, but say if B2B advertisers were 30% of the advertising pie, should there be 30% of CTV? Not necessarily, because again, different channels have different goals in terms of are they upper funnel brand building goals or are they lower funnel performance marketing goals. And B2B advertisers usually think more lower funnel. And what I think about is we have some customers at Upwave who are B2B. Most of our customers are B2C, but we have some B2B customers. And they only really are a fit for us if we think of them as consumerized B2B, meaning they have a B2B scale that makes sense to get your you have a large enough customer base that it makes sense to deploy channels like CTV. And in some ways you see B2B advertisers who frankly act like consumer advertisers. So if you're selling, for example, accounting software to small businesses, there are so many small businesses out there that you can sell to, right? Millions, that it's okay to act like a consumer marketer in terms of how you think of your reach. And instead of aiming for tight precision, you can err on the side of a broader reach with less precision as consumer marketers can do. But if you're someone who's selling some esoteric software system to a very specific type of business that's only 300 buyers in the world, you're selling some type of arcane auto part that only you'd sell to a few auto manufacturers, then it, you don't necessarily assume you can get the same value from CTV. It might be worth taking that money because you're competing against the CPMs of that fast food chain who's happy just to spend on high CPM CTV inventory. 
So you might be worth as a B2B marketer, worth taking that money and putting it towards other activities. Go to more conferences, mail more gift packages to your prospects, all sorts of things that B2B marketers spend money on. So I think it really just depends. So will I assume there's more B2B dollars flowing into CTV? Yes, because of this fine-grained targeting capabilities you refer to. Will I assume that it'll match the overall percentage of ad spend that comes to B2B? Probably not, just because the upper funnel capabilities of CTV are priced in to the CPMs, right? The reason CTV is expensive is because it's a great upper funnel storytelling vehicle. And if you're a small-scale B2B marketer who doesn't need that, it doesn't really always make sense to pay those CPMs. But to switch from the football conversation earlier to a baseball analogy, it's still early innings. So I'm sure this podcast won't age well. I'm sure in five years, I'm listening to my forecast of B2B use of CTV. I hope I'm painfully wrong because it means that there is all sorts of tech and industry advancements that we couldn't see coming in, in 2024. Yeah, it just feels like there's a bunch of stuff in there, right? I feel like the first thing you mentioned, I think, outlined really well is that the mechanics of advertising have transitioned to CTV, and it's the best of broadcasting, the best at targeting. So B2C is just more familiar with those, let's call them motions or that activity. It's more bread and butter than B2B. But the other piece is your CPMs, right? Your cost per mention, your bidding. Like we talked about the brand punch, copyright, Doug Bell, whatever the date is. <laughs> But, you know, we talk about the brand punch. It's an expensive brand punch. What it feels like a little bit is what's happening is sort of inevitably in the background, the inventory grows and grows and grows. And the cost per mention starts dropping over time. And then really, if you will, what you're saying is that there are B2B players out there, but they tend to have larger customer bases and maybe their price point and or how they look at the world is much more sort of akin to a B2C. In other words, their price point, say, hundreds of dollars and they have a broader TAM. So within all that conversation, give us just sort of the how it's being deployed. You talked about performance marketing. You talked about sort of top of funnel versus bottom of funnel. Where is it currently being deployed most often on the buyer's journey in the consumer space? And then if you could let us understand where B2B marketers maybe are deploying CTV. A couple of good threads there. So on your first comments on the price points, just to opine on that. Yeah, it's interesting to watch CTV because it's not behaving like digital where you had this basically infinite amount of inventory for ads, right? In digital there are, it's of course actually finite the amount of websites out there, but it's effectively infinite for marketers. It's so easy to spin up a website and especially with this made for advertising kind of clickbait junkie sites out there. There's just so much digital inventory. It basically, it feels infinite to a marketer. And that, of course that depresses prices, right? If there's infinite supply or effectively infinite supply, then that's going to push down the price point. So on CTV, it's, you're right that the supply will increase, basically just from viewer minutes, as there's still plenty of viewer minutes, obviously, on cable and satellite and on broadcast. So there's still so many uh, viewer hours that are going to be poured into CTV over the next few years. So the inventory just grows that way. But the long tail of CTV isn't really playing out. If you look at the, and these are just numbers publicly available, so your listeners can Google them so I don't misquote them, but some huge chunk of the pie graph of CTV viewer hours goes to the top five or six apps, right? So the blue chip apps, you know, those are the ones getting most of the attention. We're not, which is not the case as necessarily on the web. There's a longer tail on the web that attracts more of our attention. In CTV, it's really those five or six apps that I want to say are over, maybe if not over 90, well over 80% of consumption. So that's interesting because that means that I think will keep prices higher because there's not going to be that effectively infinite supply effect. Now that could change. There could be ways that, again, I, I hope this ages painfully not well, so this is a different world. But if there's a long tail of apps that gain traction, then yes, that will probably push down prices and, and enable 
more B2B marketers to enter. But it's interesting to watch because if it remains these five or six apps and there's more bundling and consolidation of apps, so it's possible that effect is even stronger. Maybe we're in a world where five apps have 95% of new time in a few years, then that's probably going to keep prices high. And prices are high. I have no data that's not publicly available, but you're seeing CPMs well over 40, 50, we hear in some cases over $60 for CTV from the blue chip streaming apps. So that's expensive, more expensive than broadcasting cable. So that's going to be a hurdle to a lot of B2B marketers dabbling in the channel. It's hard, hard to explore a high cost channel because you just don't get that many impressions when, you, when you're paying a high CPM. So that's an interesting thing I think your listeners should keep an eye on. And in terms of your deployment question, so where in the funnel? So I think you should have an upper funnel bias towards CTV because what I've seen is you won't really get the payoff you expect from CTV if you just view it as a lower funnel return on ad spend channel or ROAS as marketers say, another acronym to add to the soup. So I've seen this numerous times, even Frank with B2C advertisers. So if you are a direct consumer advertiser, so a lot of these D2C startups that grew their business off Facebook ads and Google search ads, and they just are used to this direct response payoff from ads, they'll try CTV for a couple months and then tell me, oh, it didn't pay off. So what do you mean by that? They say, oh, I have a ROAS spreadsheet, return on ad spend, ROAS. And I line up what I spend and I line up the sales of the next month and I can look at whether the dollars I spent, I got a return on those because I can do last click attribution or some type of weighted multi, multi-touch attribution. They have some way of determining return on ad spend. They say, oh, CTV doesn't pay off. And I say, well, yes, it, turn, it may not pay off in terms of getting someone to immediately watch your ad on their <laughs> during an NFL game, watch their ad, and then hop onto their website and buy your product. That's CTV is designed to do that. But what you do is you're moving them down the football field to go back to a football analogy, right? You can't look at these channels and just say, what got a conversion? My football analogy for that is always, imagine looking at a list of all the plays you've run and you say things like, the point of advertising is to drive conversions, right? Well, the point of football is to get touchdowns, right? The point of an offense is to score touchdowns, right? And if you agree to that, then you could argue you line up all the plays you ran in the football game and you look at which plays drove the most touchdowns and you would say, oh my gosh, the the one-yard QB sneak with the most touchdowns. So we should just run that every play. It's like, well, of course not. That works once you get <laughs> close to the end zone. A one-yard QB sneak will convert to touchdowns or one-yard brotherly shove for the Eagles fans amongst us. But that won't get you down the field. So you have to run different plays to get down the field. So you have to run different marketing tactics to get users and consumers down the funnel. And just looking at what percent of things got in the end zone is like looking at what percent of things got immediate conversion. And that's that that messes up your payoff math. So thus, I'm arguing that a lot of both B2B marketers who are dabbling in CTV and a lot of direct consumer marketers who are dabbling in CTV, I'm arguing they're undervaluing the CTV because they're actually only looking at the short-term payoff. And it's like, you introduced major bumps in your brand awareness to use the Doug Trademark brand punch phrase again. <laughs> See, it's becoming a thing already. You introduced it, this podcast is becoming a thing. You got a lot of brand punch. You built awareness. You built favorability. You built consideration. You built intent. That's going to pay off in three months, in six months, in 12 months. You can't look at the one-month ROAS and write off a channel. But I, I get the, the reality is that's what the finance teams tell them to do. The finance teams give the money every quarter to say, you can spend more on advertising, but we want some sales growth. So you have to think a little more long-term when you, if you're investing in a $55 CPM on CTV, you are probably undervaluing it. Depends on the business, so I can't speak for every marketer and I don't know their economics and their lifetime value, but you're probably undervaluing CTV investments if you're just looking for a short-term ROAS. That's my soapbox about CTV. <laughs> well, and, and I have to say Upwave, and given what you guys do, at the end of the day, you're in the mix constantly when it comes to targeting and measurement. 
And I think that gives you and the organization a unique view on really the thing we're sort of slipping into, Chris, which is how do you deploy channels correctly? But then how do you measure the impact, assuming you've deployed those channels? And I'd love to get a little more time with you to sort of dig into that concept. Ultimately, what that we're talking about here is how do we take all the goodness we just talked about, and then how do we reflect it back in terms of the benefits of the organization? So I'd love to have you back on, Chris, and have you sort of help us unpeel that onion. We'll love to chat again. All right. Okay, that wraps up this MarTech Insider episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Chris Kelly, CEO at Upwave, for joining us. In part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Chris and I are going to be talking about navigating today's marketing measurement challenges. If you can't wait until our next episode, we'd like to learn more about Chris. You can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can also contact him on Twitter, where his handle is at Chris Kelly, or visit his company website at upwave.com. Okay, that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to our guest host, Doug Bell, the CMO of Chief Outsiders. If you'd like to get in touch with Doug, you could find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you can contact him on Twitter, where his handle is Market Advocate. Or you could just visit his website, which is chiefoutsiders.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter and you can even apply to be the next guest speaker on the MarTech Podcast. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly on LinkedIn. My handle is Ben J. Schapp. B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.